everybody, and welcome to Punchlines. I'm Frank Nicotero, longtime comedian, lifelong sports fan, TM. I haven't trademarked it yet, but don't steal it. And today's show, it's going to be a good one because sitting next to me is Matt Neverett, ladies and gentlemen. Matt Neverett, who you can catch on Sports by the Book uh, two days a week now. Yep, Mondays, Tuesdays. Mo- Mondays and Tuesdays. You're on yesterday with Alex. Yep, it was a great time. And Alex will be here again tomorrow. Uh, Ryan McCormick, uh, Matt's, Matt's doing something never done before on this show. He's going to produce the show whilst being a guest on the the desk. I don't know how you're going to do this. Doing the Lord's work. So, yeah, if, if you see me just <laughs> pointing or randomly, yeah. I'm either looking at Ann or Jerry behind the yep. glass just yelling at him something. Caden is still too new for me to yell at him. Exactly. I yelled at him yesterday on his first day. <laughs> and I don't know if Ann got the email. I said, I don't want him back, but he's back. But anyway, he's here because he did a good job yesterday with our social media clip, me telling the One Direction story. Got a lot of hits off of it, so he can stay. He's earned himself a reprieve. Uh, Ryan McCormick is out. He is on paternity leave. Is that technically what you call it, right? Yeah, Even? absolutely. So uh, his girlfriend Tiff had a baby. Oh, okay. This is the announcement. We don't know the name yet till Ann's showing us. Aubrey Brianne McCormick, six pounds, thirteen ounces. There's her first selfie. She took that herself. <laughs> the kid is very sc- with her feet. She's very, uh, very. Do you guys notice, though, the middle name? Like, look at the middle name. Look at the back half of it. The final four letters it's of that. your no name. Way. I'm thinking I got a little tribute. Dun, so- dun, wow. dun, dun, you make that much Frankie. of an impact. Wow. Yeah. There you go. It should have been. Well, I still thought Frankie would have been a good name. But anyway, all right, whatever. Uh, so we can call her AB. AB. Aubrey Brienne. Aubrey. Uh, well done. I love the name Aubrey. Congratulations to them. Look how cute she is. Um... There you go. She all she looks enthused to be on the show, like Ryan most days when uh, he's on camera. When Dave Damashek's on, it's or, our world's. It's the it's the youngest guest ever making an appearance. It's the that is our youngest guest, three day old, and uh, let's everybody let's let's keep it that way. Let's he's have a, her. She's a star already. She's a star already. Uh, sitting in the producer's chair is Jerry. Jerry's in the chair. Do we take a shot of Jerry back there? Maybe freak him out. There he is. Hello. Jer- <laughs> I am here producing. All right, now cut his mic off because he might say the F word. All right. Um, <laughs> welcome, everybody, to the show. We have a good show. We have, we're very excited. Chris Andrews, uh, our director of the sports book here at South Point, who uh, I met 13 years ago. We did a pilot together. I don't know if I ever explained this. We did a pilot together in Pittsburgh for a, a show. Oh, oh, I mentioned Pittsburgh. Jerry's oh, damn it, Jerry. Yeah. He's getting the marker out. <laughs> Uh, and Chris remembered uh, remembered me. He had my phone number. And then all of a sudden, 13 years later, my phone rings. It says, Chris Andrews. I answer. Uh, actually, I let it go to voicemail. I don't talk to him. <laughs> like, let's see what this guy's calling about, if it's work or a wrong number. But I was like, hey, this thing might happen. Anyway, here I am. So, Chris, thank you very much, Chris Andrews. And uh, we're going to have those prop bets on Friday's show. He's going to come out with all the props, which you and I, we're just talking about how much we love props. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's... We had uh, Jimmy Vaccaro and Vinny Maiulo yep. on Sports by the Book yesterday to start. If you want to go back and look at the beginning. Two they Italians. Talked. You're allowed to have at least two. Of course, we had Lou Finicaro as uh, well. Three. So oh, they went over. A lot of vowels and ending last <laughs> yeah. names. Yeah, there we go. I'm, about the, I'm the outlier. Yeah, you're the My outlier. My last name ends in two Ts. But we had Jimmy Vaccaro on, and he was talking about just how the prop betting market was uh, originated. And you, this, he's told the story many times with the William, the refriger, uh, refrigerator yep, pairing. in the 85, 86 Super Bowl. Yeah. 85 Bears, 86 Super Whether Bowl. Whether he would score or not. And that was really the first prop bet and just how that market has grown. Yeah. He said now that is 50%, 50% of their action on the game. Yeah, he said that. He popped in here yesterday on, on Punchlines before Sports by the Book. Said the same thing, which is amazing. And by the way, that's the bet that, uh, you know, people love to do who don't bet all year. They're yeah. like, I'll bet. I'll bet on... Uh, 
the coin toss, the national anthem, stupid stuff like that. But I'm all in. I'm all in. I do the prop bets too. And uh, we had Kenny White. Alex's dad says he usually does about 50. Which hearing it from an old school guy like that. <laughs> yeah, I was shocked. Means that there's some merit to it. We yeah. talked yesterday on Sports by the Book about some of the halftime show prop bets that you can make. Not in, in the state of Nevada. You'll never be able to do that in the state of Nevada. Okay. Basically anything that is uh, has potential to be influenced by a producer, more oh, or less, oh, you will oh. never find in the state of Nevada. I always wondered. Okay, good. It's good anything that people can have control. Yeah, no, I totally like. Yeah, a PA Nevada on the show. Yeah. The, the the coin toss because you can't influence that. It's you know as close to fifty fifty as it gets. But we talked about some of the halftime props, and if you can find those in some offshore markets, uh, those are a lot of fun as well. And then of course everybody does the squares and the Super Bowl prop sheets at the parties. Yep. So it's not only become a huge part of the gambling market; it's become yeah. a huge part of the American culture. I, uh, I don't get invited to no parties. I think you will this year. <laughs> well, we have a huge party here at the South Point. We should talk about it in the show. The Super Bowl will be on every television. There might be one TV that has tennis. I don't even know what the hell's going on. Oh, Puppy Bowl. Puppy Bowl. Puppy Bowl. I mean, come on. I record the Puppy Bowl. I watch it afterwards. Can you wager on the Puppy Bowl? Uh, not That's this, already pre-produced. Not so in this state. Not in this state, but give me the schnauzer. Minus 210. Uh, the Puppy Bowl is always good. But anyway, we're going to have a huge party here. Now, remember, we're two weeks out from the Super Bowl. We're, what, uh, actually uh, 14 minus 2. We're like 12 days. And I did the hours yesterday. We're at about 275 hours from kickoff, something like that. But anyway, uh, we'll be doing stuff all week. Me, Jeff, and uh, Alex, we have some press credentials. We're going to do some stuff. We're going to go to events. Right, in. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. So look for that. A lot of big Super Bowl stuff. We have a great show today besides Matt being here. First time ever on the show, we got Hemby. Uh, he's he's uh, from ESPN. He's on the Greeny Show, Mike Greenberg. And he's got a book out that I use all the time and talk about right there. So we'll have him on. And Matt's got some questions. And we got some of his tweets. So that's going to be uh, a good interview. I'm yeah, looking loaded. forward to that. And he was ready to go. He was amped. Dude, I'll tell you what. He got in uh, everything. Like, you you know, we text our guests like, hey, we need an email and maybe an intro and a picture and your favorite thing about Frank Nicotero. That's the form that goes out. And he got back to me because he knows. He produces a show. He knows what it's like. It takes a producer to know a producer, To chase right? people yeah, around exactly. town. Yeah. So we're looking forward to that. All right. Uh, what's his full name again? Is it? What's his? Paul, Paul. Hemakitis. I can remember if it was Paul or Mike. So I just want to remember that for the intro so I don't just say him. Embo. Embo. All right, so today is January 30th. Can you believe it's January 30th? This month is flying by, ladies and gentlemen. It's episode 78. 78th episode. We're on target for our 100th episode, I think, on Leap Day, February 29th, if my math is correct. And March 1st, because I lost a bet between the Penguins and the Golden Knights, I have to come to work on the 101 to tribute the 101 Dalmatians. I will be dressed as a Dalmatian. Pretty humiliating. Do you have be. the costume yet? I do not. Are you responsible for providing your own costume? I got petty cash and doing petty cash for that. <laughs> Wait, what happened? No petty cash. Uh, I don't know if anyone has a Dalmatian outfit, a plushy outfit, something, anything we'll take it. But uh, yeah, I got to, I don't know. I got to do the nose. I got to do the ears. So feels like an Amazon buy. Uh, <laughs> it feels like something I'll find on Amazon. Oh yeah. Anyway, today is episode 78, number 78. So uh, we always like to do a collage. Ryan, who's out. I uh, wasn't able to make it, but guess what? Look who's here. Matt never made a collage of notable players to our number 78. Let's start it off with Anthony Munoz, which we will be talking about Hembo with because uh, he has this book right here, which I have. Uh, we'll be talking about that. Anthony Munoz, listen, as a Steeler fan, it kills me to say this guy was a beast. 
probably the best lineman ever. So there he is with the gold jacket, undeservedly so. So Anthony Munoz, uh, number 78. Now, who else? Now, I, I'm personally going to shout out Dwight White. Dwight White from the Steel Curtain, who I believe in Super Bowl nine against the Vikings, he had 101 or 102-degree fever before the game. Came in, and of course, we dominated and beat the Vikings like 16-6, I believe. That, so, would, that would kill you back then. Yeah, I know, right? Back in the early <laughs> 70s, you had 100. It's like, oh, oh no, he's got the vapors. It's like uh, Doc Holliday when he has pleurisy, or what is that? Uh, the, no, what was it called when they, they coughed? They got the... They got the cough. What was it called? And what is that called back then? When you'd, <laughs> when they, like the old Westerns, they'd throw up the blood. They got the, they got the thing. Tuberculosis. Yeah. T a TB. Maybe oh, that's TB. it. I've been playing yeah. too much Red Dead Redemption. Yeah. <laughs> Which I need to play. I've never played. Fantastic series. We'll talk about it. So anyway, Dwight White, we owned a video store in Pittsburgh. He used to come in and rent movies from us. So he came in and I, you know, I got to know Dwight White a little bit. And then he also came to my high school, North Allegheny's magazine sale one year. We had won. We had sold the most magazine subscriptions, which was such a thing. Remember how they'd get you all excited at the oh, assemblies? Yeah. You guys sell the most. You're going to get prizes. So he comes. We had Dwight White from the Steelers. He goes, if you guys do it again next year, I'm going to bring the Bus Boys with me. Now, the Bus Boys were an R&B group that are featured in the movie 48 Hours. That's saying, the boys are back in time. If you're an Eddie Murphy fan. So we win. We do it again. Repeat. We ran it back in North Allegheny. Top magazine sales two years in a row. Dwight White comes back. We're like, I, and me being a big fan of Eddie Murphy and R-rated, I'm like, where are the bus boys? And he's like, what? And I go, you said you'd bring the bus boys. He's like, ah, oh, damn, I did, didn't I? I didn't bring the bus boys. So he lied to me. Dwight White lied to me. The bus boys would have gone to Pine Richland if offered. <laughs> Well, yeah, a little more money up the street there Our, in Pittsburgh. Uh, rival high schools. Yeah. Yes. But all right, so you have Bruce Smith who, uh, come on, the guy was a monster. Bruce Smith who, did he retire with the most sacks of all time? I think he's over 200. I think we looked the other day. We can always ask Kembo. He's a stack guy. He'll probably know. But I think he had over 200 sacks. Reggie White, obviously. But Bruce Smith from the uh, the early 90s, dominant with the Bills. And then a hockey player that I, I'm not familiar with. You want to take that one? Yeah, so Pavel Dimitra, uh, when looking, I was... I know. I thought Tristan. Oh, Tristan Wirfs is the lineman for Tampa Bay. Sorry, Pavel Dimitra. I've heard the name. And do you know Pavel Dimitra? And uh, loves a... hockey. And loves hockey. So Pavel Dimitra was the very first NHL player to ever wear number seventy-eight. Oh wow! It okay. took until nineteen ninety-three for somebody to wear seventy-eight in the NHL. He wore it for the first three seasons and then uh, returned to his trademark thirty-eight that he wore in, in uh, the Czech Republic. Wow, and, uh, that's that's great trivia. There you go. It took till 1993. For 1993 some... was the first NHLer, and uh, I put Tristan Wirfs on there too. He's basically the the best active NFLer to wear. Well, that's why, yeah, and that's why we've been skipping the 70s because it's mostly just linemen, uh, and uh, we're gonna get. To, it's mostly a lot of linemen. Uh, we'll get to number 79. We'll talk about 79 that we'll feature because this. When Hembo comes on, I'm gonna tell him we've been using this a lot. So this is a great book. We'll talk about it when he comes on, and when you mentioned. Um, uh, what did you mention about uh, the number 78 uh, hockey guy? What, there was Demetra? Yeah. What did you say about him? He wore uh, 38 or he wore number eight afterwards. Oh, his number. Yeah. I wanted to ask, what number did you wear when you played college baseball? Uh, I wore 18. So Why I, 18? Van Slyke? So, well, so, I, <laughs> so I, I wore 13 growing up. And when I got to college, there was already a 13. But I went to the same high school as Neil Walker. Oh, yeah. Pine best, yeah sure. First round draft pick out of my high school in Pittsburgh. And uh, my coach was a big Pirates fan. He was the starting second baseman at the time. Sure. So I got there and I was just handed 18. Oh, there you go. So it worked. That worked. It worked for you. And did you get drafted number one by the Pirates? Uh, I did not. I did not. <laughs> no, I was not the uh, 12th overall pick like the All right, we're going to get uh, Hembo here in a few minutes. But first, uh, 
Let's just do a quick uh, post with punchlines. This is where we come social media to find fresh posts and write punchlines, we hope. So anyway, the first one I want to talk about, the new Madden. Do you play Madden? Yeah, oh yeah. Everyone plays Madden, right? I've been playing Madden forever uh, on a PS2. I think it's the first time I had it. Uh, I remember when like Mike Alstott was on the cover. Oh, yeah. They always have someone who's obviously had a huge year for the NFL. And then gets cursed. And then gets cursed. Well, let's take a look at the uh, Madden cover for next season, ladies and gentlemen. There it is. Oh, it's Taylor Swift. That is not real. That is just a joke. Taylor will not be on the cover of Madden. But you know what? If she was, just hear me out, NFL, how many more copies would they sell of that for the Swifties to buy out there? They, they may never get opened. Yeah, right? That's what I mean. They that, would keep them. case scenario for the NFL. They would put them up on shelves. And if you get one signed by Taylor Swift, and she wore number, she'd probably wear number 13 on the cover because that's sure. her lucky number. No, that is her number. I don't, you know, 13 is well, her lucky number. We'll see it in our next picture. Okay, uh, really? What's the next picture? Oh, my God. Anyway, Taylor Swift is not the guy. And there. All right, now there. We had to show this picture right there, ladies and gentlemen. Yesterday, Bob Dell, who's a regular in our live comments, Bob Dell, who I grew up with, who's a DJ on a country station in Baltimore. This is a picture when he was uh, on a station in Pittsburgh backstage at the Civic Arena. That's backstage at the Civic Arena. All right, peace, Civic Arena. Yeah, uh, oh. where the Penguins uh, want to come. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry's gotten his marker out again. I mentioned Pittsburgh again. But you can see how the, many, the, the how many 13. we had. Hold it up. We're at four. Okay, not bad. Four mentions of my hometown, and where Matt is. It's also Matt has spent a, a formidable. How many years did you spend? I was there for seven years. Seven years. All right. Graduated so anyway, high school, so that's always a good landmark. <laughs> there you go. And that's a picture right there of Taylor Swift uh, backstage. And what he's saying to her, he's like, "You should really get out of country music and go pop." So she took his advice. It's, so it's his fault. Without Bob Dow or or it's his blessing. By the way, Taylor Swift on the cover of Madden. By the way, they're going to make some of the plays uh, fit to Taylor Swift. Oh, yeah. What do we got? Well, uh, you know about the uh, the off-tackle run. That's a big plan, man. That's going to be the shake-it-off tackle. Okay. See Fitting. what I did there? I took a slant. You need to calm down is another one of her hits. So the football play will be you need to calm down and out. A down and okay. out. Okay. Nice little route combination. Blank space is a big hit for Taylor Swift, right? That's... Uh, Anne's favorite, right? Sing a little blank space, Anne. That's pretty. And I'll good. write your name. We got we got Anne singing. Let's go. And instead of blank space, it's blank slant. And then there's the Jet Swift sweep. Those are going to be the plays fe featured in the Taylor Swift game. We have a few more posts that we will get to after the interview with this gentleman because he is waiting. We got to grab our headsets. Grab an, look at that. No fumble today. No Denny Nagel fumble right there. <laughs> This gentleman, ladies, we're very excited to have him on the show. Uh, Chris kind of lined this up for us. Um, we're going to dive into some of his tweets. This gentleman, you know, he's a content producer on ESPN. Also, he does a podcast with Greeny and Mike Greenberg, on-air personality content producer. And this is the first time we've had a New York Times bestselling author. Oh, wait, is Chris on that list? Chris Andrews? Possibly. Anyway, this book right here called Got Your Number, which we'll talk about immediately. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Paul. <laughs> Excuse me. Finish the intro. Sorry. He's, he's struggling with the pronunciation. Mm -mm. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. No. Hembikitis. It's Hembikitis. Hembikitis. Hembikitis is right, although nobody bothers calling me that. They all go by the shorthand Hembo, as you might imagine. It's Hembo. Because that's much easier to pronounce. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. Excuse me. I was choking on uh, my Taylor Swift jokes. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I want to thank you for this book right here. Chris gave me a copy of this book. Uh, a couple months ago, actually, and I don't know if you saw the collage that we do every day. We're on to episode 78, so you're on the Anthony Munoz episode. And I went to your book for that, and once periodically, I like to check and see who you have. And then tomorrow for 79, you're mentioned Bird and Johnson. It doesn't always have to be a jersey. But this is a great book, and I know you and Greenberg put together. How much fun was it to do this? 
Uh, enormously fun. Yeah. So much fun that we're writing two more, uh, <laughs> basically <laughs> on the, riding that wave of momentum because I think we sort of struck a core with a lot of fans. It seems yeah. like you liked it. It seems like you kind of like the concept, the conceit. I mean, to be honest with you, 78 was was one of the easier chapters uh, to select. I mean, Anthony Munoz, in my opinion, is is the greatest offensive lineman that ever lived, yeah. or at least is on the very short list. Uh, I mean, the fact that that guy blocked for Ken Anderson and Boomer Esiason, both of whom won the MVP seven years <laughs> apart, I think speaks more to Anthony Munoz's greatness wow. than to either of theirs in, uh, in all candor. And not to mention the fact that that is an organization that basically experienced zero success before they drafted him. And while obviously one lineman can't account for everything, I don't think it's a coincidence that they enjoyed the most successful stretch in the history of their franchise, basically as soon as he showed up. Missed only three games his entire career Jeez. due to injury. You pick up a copy of that book, you'll find a whole bunch of other nuggets. It's not so easy to quantify offensive line play, at least not those of yesteryear, but he's one of those guys for whom you don't really need to. Um, he has a, a reputation that is beyond reproach and I think is widely considered the greatest to ever do it at that yeah. position. And a handsome guy. I want to say he went to USC. Was he a Trojan, I believe? He was a USC Trojan. He was. That's what I thought. Okay, and remember, uh, the Steelers beat up on Cincinnati for decades, so I just remember him always being someone that they would highlight. Like, when we would play them, there was no one really to highlight. They would just, the, the announcers would be like, oh, let's talk about Anthony Munoz because there's no one else on the Bengals worth the crap. But Collinsworth was there, I guess, too, so he wasn't bad. But um, I just remember uh, when I was a kid, the only football cards I, I liked from the Bengals was Kenny Anderson. And Kenny Anderson, by the way, would have like a 70% completion rate. He, he was just a lot of short passes. And then they had a receiver punter, Pat McAnally, Pat McAnally. He went to Harvard and I recently read, I, I just liked his football card. He had the top Wonderlick score of all time. He had a 50 out of really? 50. Yeah. He got a 50 out of 50. I'm pretty sure on the Wonderlick. And I think, uh, Fitzmagic, I think he's also like a 49 or 50. Well, he's got to be Harvard grad. Yeah, yeah, Harvard grad. I'm pretty sure there's a chapter in the book, the Wonderlick scores. There you go for the next book. But also, um, I think the lowest score ever, and this is very sad. Do you know who the lowest score is ever? I just remember this year, C.J. Stroud caught a lot of flack because oh, he scored he? pretty low, but we saw how that turned out. Yeah. No, who was the lowest ever? I think it's Vince Young. I was going to say Jamarcus Russell, but they're probably yeah. the same realm. And by the way, our beloved Ben Roethlisberger, not too high up on that list either. All right, anyway, back to Hembo. Hembo, <laughs> so... Um, uh, listen, uh, your tweets are really entertaining. I just followed you, and I appreciate you following back. Uh, I want to go and put up put up the graphic. This is the one, and I saw the soundbite of you and Greeny talking about the two-time MVP winners. So if we could put that up, this right here. Yeah, this is an amazing stat. If you would take people through this and how amazing it is where Lamar Jackson is and what he does in the playoffs. Yeah, Lamar Jackson, I think we all consider the presumptive M uh, MVP this season. We'll find that out. Wait, you know, a couple of days before the Super Bowl, uh, that would give him two. And given the fact that his teams continue to flub in the playoffs, I just wanted to figure out like a shorthand kind of way to back of the napkin how their teams did in the playoffs. <laughs> but obviously, I'm not really a, a quarterback wins guy. Um, but I do think obviously quarterback play drives offensive success. That's no secret. And so I just looked up how many points each of these guys, each of these nine guys average in the playoffs when their teams went to the playoffs. And it's a list of, you know, some of the most notable, some of the greatest yeah. quarterbacks the history of the NFL naturally. And by a considerable margin, um, Lamar Jackson's teams are the very bottom. Um, I mean, to average 16 points across six playoff games when every other multiple-time MVP is at least six points better than that is pretty staggering. Um, now, there's plenty of Lamar Jackson defenders on the internet. I'm sure you guys hear from them all the time saying that, you know, this was a badly devised offensive game plan and they set him up to fail and all those things can be true. But in football, six games isn't that small of a yeah. sample size. And the most jarring thing, this is not really statsy, which is more my milieu, 
But you got to watch Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes alternate possessions in that game. And one quarterback was way better than the other one. <laughs> and obviously, they're not going up against the same defense. Um, Patrick Mahomes was going up against a better defense. He was yeah. going up against the number one defense in the whole league. Um, Lamar Jackson's you know throwing a triple coverage was obviously inexcusable. He missed a bunch of bunnies, a bunch of layups. Like He just hasn't really diversified that pass game the way that everyone else told me that he would. That, that is not to say that Lamar Jackson can't become Peyton Manning, who wound up going to four Super Bowls and winning two over a 10-year span. That's on the list of options. But at this point, I certainly would bet on it, considering the fact that over the last two years, the Chiefs have effectively rebuilt this thing on the fly, gone to the Super Bowl both years, won last year. I think they're going to win this year, but that's obviously something that I might change my mind on in the next week and a half. Whereas the Ravens had the rest advantage. They had the home field advantage. They had the quarterback that won MVP. They had the number one defense. And you watch that game like I did. They never really had a chance to win the game. So it's my judgment. In my judgment, they kind of flubbed their best opportunity, at least to date, to go to the big game. And Hembo, while sure. we're on the, the topic of these conference championship games, what did you make of the late game, which was the surprisingly more viewed game? I was kind of surprised to see yeah. that more people watch the Lions and 49ers than the Ravens and the Chiefs. Uh, do you take the second half comeback as as more giving credit to the 49ers or more of a huge collapse by the Lions? Which which of those two do you kind of <laughs> He's lead He's smiling towards? at this one. <laughs> that was an excellent first take question. Uh, yeah. I appreciate you. I appreciate you providing that for me. Yes. Um, <laughs> the answer to that question is yes. I mean, you can't blow a 17-point halftime lead without both things being true. Now, I think it is totally fair and reasonable to give Dan Campbell and, and Ben Johnson a hard time about passing the ball three-fourths of the time in the second half when in the first half of the game you ran it 21 times for a buck 48 and three tuts. Uh, that's what brought you there. And that's what you basically built as your identity with Panay Sewell and the other monsters along that offensive line. They got away from the thing that they were best at, and they leaned into the thing that the 49ers are best at defensively, which is letting Chase Young and Nick Bosa pin their ears back and rush the passer. That's that's what we saw in the second <laughs> half of that game. But what I can't, where I can't go, guys, is is this idea that that Dan Campbell coached that game recklessly. I mean the. The, the, the Lions reached the second half of the conference championship game in part because they're not afraid not to convert fourth down and short. And the idea that on two fourth and short conversions, you are better off kicking a 45-plus yard field goal with a guy that's been cut from three teams in the last year is <laughs> candidly foolish. Yeah. Uh, fourth and three is a, is a high probability play for them. They were 80% this year. Um, they were 20 for 25 entering that game on, on fourth and three or shorter. And Josh Reynolds dropped one of the passes. Mm. They know that they're the Lions know that their defense stunk. I mean, Brock Purdy led five consecutive scoring drives in the second half, which is to say, Dan Campbell did the exact right thing. He knew they needed to keep scoring and did whatever he could to go seven at a time and to bleed as much clock as possible. So I think a lot of the discourse nationally has kind of gotten conflated here. I think it's more than fair to question their run-pass script. I think it's completely unreasonable to question the fact that he went for fourth down, something they're really good at, and something that would have improved their win probability in each case. Yeah, and I think you, uh, was it you that tweeted the list of uh, the transactions with Badgley as the kicker, like how many times he'd been signed, kick, tryout, kind, sick, wave, kick. Yeah, I agree too. I and, and listen, I was rooting for the Lions. Uh, they're an underdog. Yeah. I was rooting for them. Now you said something interesting. Is that a Stanley Cup, by the way? Is that a Stanley Cup that it, you're drinking? It's it's a Yeti. It's a uh, Yeti. Okay. Uh, so the so the Stanley Cup. Um, so that two things. I, I got to stop here. Please, so two I know because I'm I'm just finding out about the craziness of the collecting of these Stanley Cups. My wife has a Stanley Cup, okay. which she holds in considerably higher regard okay. than she does me. Yeah, just one is amazing. Say, yeah. Okay, <laughs> like if there's some sort of issue with us, we have two children, we have a dog, and she, and, and and in that split, the Stanley will be a part of the will be a part of the contract. So like that's something that will require litigation. She loves the thing. I don't know why. Secondly, 
I thought I was coming on the sports show to get away from the Taylor Swift stuff because my wife. <laughs> we got to mention it. We have to mention. We had to put her on the cover. That's all. That was. We just wanted that little mention. She there. Is <laughs> is a card carrying Swifty, and so like I wake up every morning to like six Instagram messages from her from random things on the internet that she has sent me regarding Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift and all the rest of it. Like I personally am not. I know there's a lot of sports fans that are you know sort of hot and bothered by this. I can tell you this: by the end of next week, uh, I am going to be Kelsey'd out, and that is coming yeah. from some for whom Jason Kelsey might be my favorite Eagle ever. That's coming from someone who thinks Travis Kelsey might be the greatest tight end of all time. Yeah. And it's someone who kind of casually likes Taylor Swift's music. This, these two weeks are so, <laughs> so long, guys. I can't, I can't, by the time we get to Sunday, I'm going to be yeah. ready to, to watch the game on mute. That's okay. where I'll be. I'm in the exact <laughs> well, same well, boat. Yeah, exactly. 100% <laughs> well, the, agree. The reason I mentioned her, the reason I mentioned her on the show is uh, I, I, I went out and extended an invite on the show yesterday to Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift, that if they come down and appear on the show, I can hook them up with a free buffet here at the South Point, which is an award-winning buffet. So I got to keep, I got to keep positive. I got to stay positive because I think, I think I can get them. I think they're going to show up. Well, nowadays the Vegas buffet is a rarity. Back in the day, that's what exactly. people came here for. But yeah. since, uh, since COVID, they really haven't brought too many of yeah. them back. So consider that. I know Travis yeah, and Taylor ours are Ours is amazing. Now, yeah. you said something interesting. You said right now you believe that the Chiefs will win the game, but you said in the next two weeks you could change your mind. What would change your mind in the next two weeks? We know everyone's pretty much healthy. We know Deba, you know, so what would change your mind? So I do a bunch of research, as you might imagine, as I prep for each of these games. And in two weeks, I definitely, in the, at least in the past, have talked to myself in or out of the, the right or wrong uh, <laughs> Super Bowl again because so much time elapses. Here's where I am on the game right this second with, you know, 10 days, you know, to where we have to actually make a pick. I think conventional wisdom would say, because the Niners are uh, at least open as a slight favorite in the game, less than a field goal, as you guys well know, that like there's, like we're dealing with like sort of like coin flips within the margins here. And I saw that a lot of the, num the numbers started moving towards Kansas City with minus one the last I checked. And I think that's a body of work thing with, with the, you know, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong here. I think the odds makers are viewing the, the 49ers as being the team that's been better all season. A team a team that has considerable matchup advantages, especially when they play offense. But though I'm not a recency biased person, I think taking into account full body of work at this point is kind of a fool's errand. Because when I watch the Chiefs play football right now, I see an offense that's a lot less sloppy than it was. So, I'm, mm. so they're not going to shoot the in the foot, right? They were they were about as clean in that game as they were all season. The first time this season that they had no drops on offense, which we know was something that was a big problem for them early in the season. And the Ravens were much more undisciplined than they were. So I'm not as worried about like the sort of self-sabotage aspect of the Chiefs offense. And the 49ers defense I view as having perhaps more liabilities than that in the past. Chase Young and Nick Bosa are excellent pass rushers. And, and if the Chiefs wind up in you know third and pass, I think they're going to be operating from a deficit. The thing, like the, the worst kept secret about, uh, about Andy Reid is that he, he kind of likes to run the ball in the playoffs. I mean, across <laughs> Patrick Mahomes' 14 playoff wins, it's like 125 rushing yards a game on average. Isaiah Pacheco's got 12 first downs in the playoffs in three games. I mean, they actually have a highly functional run game, which, as we saw against the Packers and as we saw last week against the Lions, is the one sort of bugaboo of the 49ers defense. So, like, what I like to do is kind of rank the four units on the field based upon what the numbers say. And there was a time this year where I thought it was obvious that the 49ers would probably have the two best units on the field uh, on the game um, in the game against this team. But I've seen regression from the 49ers. Um, 
uh, on both sides of the ball, candidly, because the way that that offense has functioned the last two weeks has basically been hit or miss. It's been pretty spotty. It's been pretty second-half centric in terms of their ability to go. And as good a story as Brock Purdy is and for as well as he operates that offense, I don't think you're going to beat Mahomes with him playing two good quarters. Yeah. And I've been so impressed with Steve Spagnuolo's game plan. Like the way that he sort of coaxed Buffalo into, into a run-heavy script I thought was genius, the same way that he coaxed the Ravens into a pass-heavy script. I mean, it was 82% pass for the Ravens in that game, which is yeah. obviously totally unusable <laughs> with Lamar Jackson's your quarterback, and you got the number one rushing offense in the whole freaking league. Unbelievable. So, I think there's actually a pretty clear coaching advantage on that side, too. So, again, I have the right to change my mind, and I understand why the Niners are favored. It's a body of work thing. It's a season resume thing. It's I get it. I right. get all of it. But I think as of right this second, I would favor the Chiefs because I think that defense is being slept on just a little bit, and it's a much cleaner offensive operation with the best quarterback that ever lived. Yeah, and, and by the way, our line's two now, so the Chiefs are uh... – they're two point underdogs okay. now. So it was one. It was yeah. one yesterday. Yeah. And then right before sports by the book, we got tickets from Jimmy uh, making up. I think it was like one hundred and seventy five thousand dollars all on the Chiefs, wow. or rather on the 49ers. Oh, no. oh, okay. And it moved it to one and a half by itself, right as we took the air yesterday. And since then, more money has come in. So yeah, it, it went down, opened at two and a half, down to one, and has ballooned back up and, to two. Yeah, Alex got it at two and a half. She got it at two and a half the the night of the line. So Alex jumped on that soon. So I'll, I want you to edit yeah, on me for it. a second. Edit on me for a second. So we obviously have a lot of time between now and kickoff. Off. What is your expectation for how the public is going to lean here? Like, obviously, like the the Super Bowl betting is a different, whole different animal than anything else you get to. I mean, it's, there's there's way more Joes, way fewer pros, obviously. And the fact that we've already seen this line, this much line movement, is really interesting to me. So, if you're going to forecast between now and kickoff where this thing lands and how we get there, what might you say? Well, and, and one thing that's always consistent with how the Super Bowl is bet, especially here in Nevada is that the majority of the money comes in within the last day to two days before the game. So right now that, you know, 175 grand that they got on the Niners yesterday, that's a drop in the bucket. They, right. they Vinny told us yesterday that's less than 1% of what they're going to take on the game <laughs> in, in total. So the, the scale is ridiculous. Um, and, and I would expect just based on a recency bias and a public bias towards Kansas City, yes. I think as we get closer to this game, it's going to swing closer to a pick em. I would not be surprised, especially in the lead up to the game, if it gets to a pick em or maybe even toggles over to Chiefs as a very, very slight favorite. I mean, I could see wow. this one going all over the place. And what's really interesting as well is that this is the, I think it's the 10th time in the last 12 years, I believe is the number, that the spread has been four points or less. And that was like a 20-year stretch where basically every year it was four points or greater. So the, the numbers and the margins have been getting tighter. And yeah, to answer your question, Hembo, I think we're going to see some movement. I, I think personally it's going to be towards the Chiefs. Yeah, and by the way, the babysitting money that it's going to come in late on that. Dad, place a $20 bet for me on the oh, Chiefs. Yeah. It's going to happen. I'm That's telling. a lot of it. It's a lot of it. It's going to be a lot of Swifty money. So listen, uh, by the way, um, we want to shift gears to baseball. And I want to point out that uh, Matt Neverett's dad, Tim Neverett, uh, is a play-by-play guy for the Red Sox. Uh, he's done the Pirates, and now he's at the Dodgers. So you might be familiar with his work. But we're big baseball fans, and I know you are too. And you texted me this morning. You could talk about baseball for hours. But oh. we, we want to start off with your baseball career real quick. You played baseball at uh, Cedarville, was it? Cedarville. You're a former Yellow Jacket. Tell former us about Yellow your, Jacket. Uh, your, your collegiate career. Yeah, so as you can probably tell from my build, I was a Punch <laughs> and Judy second baseman. Yes. Who held <laughs> Same. The Same here. Yeah, all Cedarville. three of us. University career walks record. Nice. Um, uh, retiring with a very atypical 298, 450, 350 slash nice line. Slash. Yes. Very, 
very difficult to do, but I could pick it a little bit. I was I was gonna uh, lay down a bunt. I figure you know why walk if why not walk if the best I can do is hit a single anyway. Otherwise, so that's probably the best way to to sum up my career. It's a D two school in Ohio. It's the only thing I remember about college is playing baseball. I love the game more than life itself. And um, you know now more on the media side, of course, uh, it's basically uh, you know slow pitch softball, and it's using my, uh, <laughs> my baseball. Baseball uh, knowledge and, and expertise to be able to tell stories numerically. Well, who but, was your I mean, who that, was your hero growing up playing second base? Uh, small guy yeah. like myself. So, so I was born in Baltimore in the year 1990. So that would probably answer that question as Cal Ripken Jr. Yeah. Uh, my my family moved to Philadelphia in 1998, and so thus Chase Utley became Chase my favorite Utley. player as a teenager. Um, and parenthetically. Chase Utley getting 29% of the vote. We're going to get to that next. Yeah, we're going to talk right about that now if you want. I mean, listen, you, you, yeah, let's go to the Hall of Fame ballot. We're big baseball guys. By the way, I'm going to start this off by saying I'm still pissed that Dave Parker has not gotten stronger consideration Absolutely. for the Hall of Fame. I know the cocaine's affected it and everything, but, uh, but Dave Parker should be in the Hall of Fame. Al Oliver, even Scoop, is a close shot. But anyway, let's look at uh, this is the most recent ballot. Uh, ballot. Uh, ballot. What the hell am I saying? Who's on the top of that list? I can't so read it. So these are the, the voting results. This is the, the class. Adrian Beltre deserved oh, so Of course. 99 plus percent of the vote. Absolutely. First ballot Hall of Famer. Same with Joe Maurer, although I was surprised at how... Surprisingly high how that was, too. I was surprised at how few Joe Maurer got. I thought it was high. But the longevity, but I guess the catcher... Two, three batting titles, I think. So, yeah. Yeah, and, I, and I've been on the uh, Todd Helton train. I, I yes. lived in Denver for five years and watched the tail end of his career. So he's a, always been a favorite of mine. And if you look at his numbers, he actually had a better batting average on the road. On the road, than exactly. he did at Coors Field. And then Billy Wagner. Uh, just missed out. Just missed out. Gary Sheffield just missed out as well. And as, we'll, we'll take a look at your ideal ballot, yeah. Hembo, because you tweeted it out. Um, I believe that this one was from just before the voting. So Wagner fell off at the end. But you put out your, your ideal ballot. Let, let's take a look at that. Yeah. Yeah, so Adrian Beltre, uh, like you guys said, is a first ballot lock Hall of Fame type ballot who, I mean, is arguably one of the five greatest, at least all around third baseman yeah. of all time. Um, this is just alphabetical by first year, so there's no particular order. <laughs> uh, Andre, no, like Andre Jones um, yes. continue, continues to, uh, to flummox me, like his, his omission. I don't get it either. Like, he's, he, is, he is both someone that hit 434 home runs and uh, is the second best defensive outfielder of all time behind Willie Mays. And that's not just backed up numerically. That's backed up with anyone that ever watched him play. It's not a coincidence that the Braves were historically good in run prevention basically the entire time that he was playing center field behind all those Hall, uh, Hall of Fame pitchers that got in on the first ballot, right? And that's a freaking crime. Carlos Beltran should be in because Carlos Beltran is easily one of the best power speed players ever. And I think he probably already too, yeah. would be. Oh, his postseason yeah, stuff is he was ridiculous. a monster, yeah. My favorite uh, Carlos Beltran is, is Houston Carlos Beltran. That two months plus the playoffs was ridiculous. But obviously the the fact that he's included in the sign-stealing stuff yeah. is probably the reason why he's not in already. He will eventually get in. Yeah. Uh, Chase Utley, obviously, Your I hero, could not right? be more biased. <laughs> yeah. But Chase, Chase Utley had one of the best like five-year primes of any min middle infielder ever. I mean, the entire list of uh, middle infielders since World War II to war seven and five straight years is him and Joe Morgan, um, over a 10-year period, only Albert Pujols produced more. It was a great glove, and he led the, in all the majors in defensive runs saved over that five years from 2005 to 2009, an excellent base runner, um, the best player on the best iteration that the Phillies have ever had. So to me, he's a lock and a shoe, and I think eventually yeah. we'll get around to the fact that he didn't collect 2,000 hits. You guys are right about Joe Maurer. Joe Maurer stunned me. Like There's only been two catchers ever elected on the first ballot. It's Pudge and it's Johnny Bench. Joe Maurer caught fewer than 1,000 games in his career, yeah. but it's – 
but it's but it's the premium bat and the premium defense for that short period of time at a position where we can sort of forgive the lack of longevity. He would have been on my ballot. He is on my ballot, but I was surprised that he got in on the first ballot. And my last two names are, I think, pretty standard. Uh, Gary Sheffield is not just one of the best hitters of his generation, but any generation. Yeah. I mean, you compare his numbers to almost anyone not associated with steroids, he's in the Hall of Fame. And his association with steroids, guys, is is very tangential. Yes. Go back and, you know, like I don't like the term steroid guys because it assumes that we know all the same stuff about all the same guys, and it's freaking stupid. And then, look, Todd Helton deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, one of the most well-rounded first basemen of all time. We have, I think, over-punished him and others for the Coors Field effect, um, which is a thing, but definitely not as much a thing as we have made it out to be. So I think the, you know, the, 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 the electorate, by and large, you know, gets a lot more of this right than we give him credit for. But to me, like the biggest crime here is the Gary Sheffield of it all, yeah. who, um, like, on his last year on the ballot, to only to only uh, trend in the sixty percent range was was kind of embarrassing, and I think goes to show you that the the electorate has not done its adequate research when it comes to how closely he was actually connected to PEDs. Now, what are your thoughts? You mentioned the the quote unquote steroid guys. Obviously, the two big ones on the ballot, Manny Ramirez. Alex Rodriguez, and you, if you look at the ballots and you look at the voters, it is split. There's yeah. nobody that votes for one, not the other. Uh, they, they, you either have them on your ballot or you do not. What are your thoughts on that? Because for me, I, I hate, as a you know lifelong baseball guy, baseball announcer now, I hate the way that the baseball electoral process works. Yeah. Um, I, in my eyes, they're in. There, there are players that did far worse that are Absolutely. in back in the day, blah, 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 however you want to put it. Ty Cobb killed a man. Allegedly. Anyway, allegedly. All right, anyway. <laughs> in my eyes, A-Rod and Manny Ramirez should be in. Are you saying that they will never, ever deserve to be in, or you think that there are more deserving guys and they're knocked down because of their association? It's a fabulous question. So I want to be clear. I would have voted yes on Clemens and Bonds, and I would have voted no on Sosa, McGuire, Manny, and A-Rod, and I'll tell you why. In my judgment, we need to be able to like form a line in the sand between – this is something for which we tested and did not test. The testing era, if you will, started in 2004-ish. Manny Ramirez tested positive twice. Alex Rodriguez was suspended for an entire season embroiled in the biogenesis scandal, and that was the second steroid infraction, you might say, which is to say both of those guys cheated when the steroid stuff was no longer the wild, wild west. Were they both Hall of Fame worthy? Yeah, obviously. I mean, Alex Rodriguez played shortstop at a gold glove level and had 696 home runs. Manny Ramirez is one of the 10 greatest right-handed yeah. hitters that ever lived. The difference is that those guys broke the rules after the rules were in place, for lack of a better term. When it comes to McGuire and Sosa, the reason I'm no on them is because it's clear to me that the reason they were so so great, and this is just by using deductive reasoning, they're products of steroids, which is to say neither of those guys would be Hall of Famers if they did not use. We can't know those things, right? We can only guess those things. The reason that Clemens and Bonds are yes for me is because those are both clearly and obviously players that would be Hall of Fame worthy if it were not for PEDs. We are penalizing them in some sense because they were so much greater than everyone else. Like the juice <laughs> was so good that Barry Bonds couldn't, like Barry Bonds over a four-year uh, span, over a four-year span on base more than 550. I mean, it's, it's a, his 2001 to 2004 stretch on baseball reference is an absolute video game. And Roger Clemens shoved well into his 40s, wants seven Cy Youngs. His numbers are, you know, equally ludicrous, which is to say those guys juiced at a time when, like, a, a huge swath of the league was, and I think they're being overly penalized or stricken by, by sort of um, – 
the, the sort of public discord because they were so great. It would, like, would you have been better off uh, not being nearly as great? Barry Bonds, if you're, you know, Barry Bonds' case, you're watching these guys in 1998 hit 70 home runs saying, I'm a way more well-rounded player. They're not testing for any of these things. Why wouldn't I do these things? Like when the, <laughs> when the guardrails weren't in place, it's very difficult for me to say that during the wild, wild west era, people that use steroids should be penalized the way that you know, guys did after 2004. So that's kind of how I, I answer that, that question. And drive I love that. That. Every single person has to sort of answer that question differently on their conscience. And I'm not saying mine's the right way, but if I had a vote, that's how I would use that's it. I love it. And, I, and I'll never tell someone how to vote. That's, yeah. in, in my eyes, I'd put them in. But again, like like you had said, it's up to each person individually. Yeah. If I had a vote, I would put them in. I'd, I'd like the guys that try to get to 10 every year. Why not vote these guys? In? Yeah, it's, it's not, they, need to, they need to open up. The, if you yeah. turn in a blank ballot, or even a ballot with lose one your player, ballot. you lose your you vote. You should lose your ballot. That's another one of my opinions. Now, yeah. Gary Sheffield, I used to go see him in batting practice when I'd go to early to Three River Stadium. Still the loudest noise I've ever heard off a bat was Gary Sheffield. And the quickest bat, unbelievable, should be in there. I believe also Doc Gooden's nephew, uh, Gary Sheffield, I'm pretty sure if anyone wants to Google that, he was drafted as a shortstop for the Brewers, Sheffield. And I think Dwight Gooden is his uncle. Gary Sheffield, no one, no, sure. no one that ever watched Gary Sheffield's bat waggle yeah. said to themselves, that guy's not a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Yeah, he's One amazing. Person. That's the thing. Like, like, even if you just don't look at the back of the baseball card, if you were just to compile a list of the most intimidating at bats that, you know, someone on the other team's coming up, you're watching the game on TV, and the guy that you're dreading walks up to the plate, he's in the top five. Yeah, he's like, amazing. Gary Sheffield terrifying yes. and the idea that he's not a hall of famer with with such loose ped connections is in, is insulting to my intelligence <laughs> and to the intelligence of baseball fans that watched him I terrorize pitcher i yeah. saw him hit a home run on a pitch up near his eyes that he swatted it was a line drive at three, over the fence it never was more than 20 feet off the ground that's just what, strong that's what happens when you wave the hell out of the bat there you go you, but you he is he is doc gooden's nephew it, he is yeah just confirmed okay couple things just to say uh denny nagel was on the show uh, Denny's an old friend of mine from his pirate days. He said Andrew Jones saved him more hits and more runs out in center field. And Andrew Jones, I, th you got to give defense. I mean, his offense, like you said, over 400 home runs. That, But his defense, Andrew Jones, I agree. Buster Posey, of course, will be a first ballot Hall of Famer if Joe Maurer is. So there's another catcher that'll get in. And one name you left off your list as a Philly fan, and not that you were making a complete list, but what are your thoughts on Bobby Abreu? Bobby Abreu's number, you knew I was going there, right? I mean, this guy's number... His number's pretty incredible. So I actually thought you were going to go with Jimmy Rollins. No, so, yeah, Rollins, yeah. No, Abreu's numbers are crazy. So, so Abreu's numbers are crazy, but to the very opposite of Gary Sheffield, this has to be both an art and a science. No, I major in the science. Like I live in the numbers. It's what I prioritize the most. And Bobby Abreu is like the, he's like a baseball reference stat head hall of famer. Yeah. Like he's one of 11 guys that <laughs> did each of these four random things. Yes, yeah. And the other five are all hall of famers or some such nonsense. Exactly. Bobby Abreu, with all due respect, um, was not close to being an all-time great. We didn't think so no, at the time. No, exactly. And but the numbers, <laughs> right? The numbers, the numbers are staggering. Yeah. But he's also he's also you know those are also numbers at in right field, not at a premium position. And I hate to say that they're empty numbers because I don't really I don't really believe in that. But as a Phillies fan and as someone who so loved baseball during that era, Bobby Abreu was never anywhere in the, the sort of public consciousness when it came to he's one of the best players of all time or even a, no. a, a sort of of this era. Yeah. The thing I just like to shorthand is 
is MVP stuff. Um, and as I'm looking at his baseball reference page right now, Same. do you know how many times Bobby Abreu was considered by the baseball writers to be one of the 10 best players in his own league? Uh, none. I don't know. I'm guessing. No, I, I, he, his well, numbers. What is it? Not once. Not once. Not yeah. once. No, I, I know. Not one time. That's, not say, that's not to say that like they got it wrong at the time. And, and modern metrics can illuminate a player's status in a way that I think we should definitely consider. Like I think Lou Whitaker's a Hall of Famer, for example, yeah. as someone who... If you let Trammell in, you got to let Whitaker in, course. for God's sakes. Whitaker was a better player. Yeah. But truthfully, Bobby Abreu um, is only a Hall of Famer after he's done playing, which is something. Um, <laughs> That's I love that line. Fair. I love that line, yeah. As a, as a relief to Jimmy Rollins, which is a tough omission for me. But Jimmy Rollins ultimately is more the face of that iteration uh, than Chase Utley was. There is run, uh, one reason and one reason alone why Jimmy Rollins isn't a Hall of Famer to me. And... Um, and it's because His he made way Jimmy. too many out. Yeah. <laughs> no, he made way too many out. Yeah. Rollins' career slash was 264, 324, 418. Yeah. yeah. So, like, if you are going to, like, there are so many things that matter on a baseball field. And Jimmy Rollins did so many of those things well. Like, so many of those things well. Yeah. He was a, he's, he's a plus, he's a plus defender at shortstop. He's a value positive runner. He did so many incredible things on a baseball field. And he was a great leader, a great ambassador for the city, like, all the stuff. But like the single most important thing, the single most important question that a position player needs to answer is, how often do you get out? And <laughs> if the answer to that question is a lot. over a career, 67.6% of the time, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. You're, you're not a Hall of Famer. Yeah. You, you aren't a Hall of Famer. If you're on base percentage, it's 324 with very little power. I'm yeah. sorry. Like, no, you just I agree with that. Why Andre Dawson shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame either. Ultimately, oh. like let's not let's not lose track of the forest through the trees here. Like that's still the thing that matters the most. And Jimmy Rollins made, made way too many outs for me okay. to be a Hall of Fame. And a guy that's in the Hall of Fame who was never I would I would want to know if how many times he was considered top ten player in the league. Eddie Murray is a guy who played forever, switch hitter, three thousand hits, but was he ever one of the ten best in the league? You know what I mean? He was just a yeah. consistent oh. guy. Hundred percent. I get it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna just rattle off for you um, some of his MVP finishes. <laughs> right. All right. It's eight, eleven, six, five, two, two, four, five, five. Okay. So Eddie Murray had the kind of peak that Bobby Abreu couldn't touch. I mean, yeah. he finished in the top five of MVP voting half a dozen times or so. Got to 500 home runs. I mean, Eddie Murray, inarguably, um, was a greater player historically oh, than sure. Bobby Abreu. Oh yeah. You know, like that. Like, was he a compiler? Absolutely. But let, let's not lose. I hate that word. Even though it's often, it's often used, like, it's often used pejoratively. Like, let me be clear about something. Like, the most difficult ra uh, race to run at the marathon, right? Endurance is an often overlooked aspect of sports. And if so, and if you can combine a long lifespan with a long health span in your career, that is not something for which we should undermine your career. Like Eddie Murray tailing off at the end of his career, getting to 500 home runs, shouldn't be a net negative. Like these things are hard to do. And if you're doing that when you're 40 years old, more power to you. Excellent. His, his most notable achievement, Eddie Murray? What? He hit the chopper where Albert Bell absolutely trucked Fernando Vino oh between God, first yeah. and second base. That's that's my favorite Eddie Murray memory. <laughs> uh, by the way, we know you you graduated from LaSalle uh, with a master's. You're the first person on our show in the history to use the words Malou, Milieu, Bugaboo, Malou? and pejorative. Yeah. I liked okay. Bugaboo. I liked Bugaboo and I like pejorative. Matt also uses a lot of big words too. But those... well, I've, I've been studying for the SAT recently. Okay, so well, that's good. I wish, wish you luck on the 1600. Is, that, is it 1600? Uh, I think they cut it down, yeah. It's, I, I think it was a 24 to 16. It's 24, but it's back to 16. Yeah. yeah. 
I mean, I, I took Derek Rose's SAT for him. So look, I mean, this is this is how I know. <laughs> what? That's that's an that we had an exclusive here on that. Well, obviously, oh I'm, my god. Uh, there. Uh, listen, you were, uh, listen, outstanding. Out, we really appreciate you taking the time. We know you're a busy guy. We know you got uh, you got a wife. You got the Stanley Cup. You got a dog. You got two kids. <laughs> so making the time for us. And Matt and I are big baseball guys, so we knew we wanted to talk baseball, even though it isn't baseball season. I'd love to have you back. We're going to have Nagel in town for like a week. He's going to bring. He's promising he's going to get Chipper Jones on the show. He's a Hall of Famer. We had Tom Glavin on the show. You would be a good guy to have on with Nagel and, and talk some more baseball, because I know you said you oh, could talk baseball time. for us. Next time, I will only come on if you allow me to, to do the sneaky Hembo trivia stuff. So if you yes. allow me to ask you trivia, dude, baseball, you're into it. baseball trivia, we got to make sure Matt's here too. Baseball trivia is uh, how I won a lot of drinks and bars. So um, yeah, we got to do that. What's your favorite? Give us one baseball trivia question on your way out. Just one random baseball yeah, trivia sure. question. And then tell uh, us where we can find you on social media while you're thinking or whatever. Okay. Yeah, so you can find me on social media at Paul Hembo uh, mm-hmm. on any and all places where you would care to see what I'm doing in my life <laughs> for reasons for reasons unbeknownst to you. Let me ask this question. Um, so well, let, me, let me ask. Okay, so okay, I, I, you're, you're you're okay. You're putting me on the spot. We can okay, save it. So, we can save it. We can tease. No, 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 no. Okay, I, I, right. I, can, I can do it. Okay. I can do it. Okay. First, the answer wins. Um, Corey Seager. Became the second position player to win the World Series MVP multiple times. Oh, God. Who was I, the first? I just saw this. Oh, um, uh, I remember it was uh, when he won it with Tech. Ah! D- uh, not, that's not a, t- a position player. Position. I'm blanking. Position player. I'm blanking. I, I remember seeing this. One of the I know. Most famous nicknames of all time. And there's a reason why his nickname was what it was because he won two World Series MVPs. Oh, God. Reggie Jackson. Oh, it's Mr. Reggie October. Jackson. Jesus Dang. Christ. Yeah, that's the nickname. Yep. Gave it away. Damn it. Good one. Isn't it crazy? The whole the whole list is Seeger, Reggie Jackson, Bob, Bob Gibson, and Sandy Koufax. Yeah, that's amazing. Wow. That really is. All right. That's a good one. We'll prepare better next time. Uh, listen, you're an outstanding guest. We really appreciate you being on the show. Thank you so much. By the way, anybody, this is a great book to read. And by the way, it's just short. It's all about the numbers. I'm going to say it. I hope you're not offended. Good bathroom book. I'm just saying right there. It's good to do that. Oh, I mean, do you mean for toilet paper or do you mean for <laughs> no, like for reading materials? <laughs> no, never, never, never. Unless it's COVID and you're running low. Yeah, but anyway, uh, otherwise, New York Times bestseller artist, it's Hambo. Thank you for being on the show. We'll take a two minute break. We'll be out. Matt and I will close out the show. Thank you so much, buddy. Excellent job. South Point offers all the types of entertainment you'd expect at a first class Las Vegas resort. Did you know our 400-seat showroom is one of Las Vegas' top destinations for live entertainment? Enjoy live performances by classic Vegas entertainers, bands, and today's hottest comedians, plus a rock and dance floor. You can also enjoy live entertainment at the Grand View Lounge, where you'll feel all the vibes of old Las Vegas. Enjoy the music, and if you love to laugh, don't miss The Dirty at 12.30, our very own free comedy show, every Friday night at 12.30 a.m. in the Grand View Lounge. The Dirty is 100% free, so arrive early. Go to southpointcasino.com or call the box office at 77136 for today's performances at the showroom and the Grand View Lounge. When you're ready for your favorite cocktail, stop in and unwind at one of our seven specialty lounges. There's a bar around every corner, because you're in Vegas, baby. South Point Casino has plenty of attractions for the whole family. Catch a movie. Our 16-screen movie theater includes two XD extreme screens for the ultimate in viewing, sound, and luxury. 
After the show, treat the family to a variety of treats at our old-fashioned ice cream parlor, Kate's Corner. We scoop up a variety of creamy concoctions, including smoothies, hand-dipped cones, milkshakes, malts, sodas, and sundaes. At Kate's, there's something for everyone. And if you've still got time to spare, our bowling center might be right up your alley. Voted Best of Las Vegas, it's a great place for friends and family fun. 64 lanes, a pro shop, snack bar, and arcade. And while the kids are bowling, you can play slots and sip on a drink in the Alley Cat Lounge while overlooking the lanes. For our more serious and professional bowlers, the South Point is also home to a separate tournament bowling plaza. That was a great interview. He was excellent. You were excellent as always, Matt. Thank you for being here. Uh, listen, we have the best live comment room. You guys, every day it increases. The humor increases. Um, let's see here. We have <laughs> V-Town Dummy. Can we submit questions for Frank to ask at Super Bowl press day? I would like to know how many Subway sandwiches Mahomes had to choke down while making those commercials. <laughs> I'll set the over-under at two and a half. Two and a half? Yeah. I'd say way more than that. <laughs> uh, the consumption. That's what I was... I'll be a huckleberry. That, thank you, Christian. I knew... The consumption, because he's a very sickly person himself. He's uh, consumption. He's alone right now in Van Nuys drinking. So anyway, <laughs> but consumption. Thank you, Christian. Uh, what kind of movies did Dwight White rent? Were they in the back? Says Tri-State PGA. I know that's probably Frank Mergy. Uh, Frank Mergy, by the way, I will be speaking. Thanks to Frank Mergy. I will be speaking with, with Mike. I will be speaking with Travis Kelsey's agent later this week. It's Just a start. saying that. It's a start. It's a start. The buffet, if you yawn, Ann, I swear to God, cut to Ann. She's yawning. Anyway, her, Travis tra, tra, and Taylor at the buffet. Uh, let's see here. Where was the comment I missed from Ryan? There, Ryan. Jerry's finally in the chair. Love to see it. Ryan McCormick watching from the hospital, or I believe they're back home. Yes, <laughs> Tommy Green Lab, big dumb Ben. Yeah, but he's got two rings. Uh, and yes, Bob Del P security's just off camera, ready to pull Bob away from Taylor Swift. <laughs> Uh, listen, we want to do a, a couple of birthdays on the show that are sports related. My favorite actor as a kid growing up was always Gene Hackman. I love Gene Hackman. No matter if the movie's bad, Gene Hackman is good in it. And there he is on the right. I can hear Christian now screaming out, Coach Dale. I gotta, gotta snap it. Gotta snap that pass. Gotta snap it. Around the picket fence. He's 93. Yeah, Hoosiers. There's the slow clap. It was. Ann was talking about the slow clap. There you go. That was. Yeah, there we go. We're all doing it. Coach Dale Hoosiers, one of the best sports movies ever. There's that one actor. Oh, we're all <laughs> Yeah, that's all we do it here at Punchlines. Hold for edit point for the social media clip. All right, anyway, uh, he's Coach Dale. And, and uh, that movie, there's that actor who plays one of the parents who's also a pitcher in Major League and was also in a football. There's this one actor, I can't think of his name. Christian will probably know it. He's been in like four famous sports movies. Uh, he was the sheriff in the movie. But anyway, happy birthday to Gene Hackman, who was also the head coach in the movie Replacements. Quarterback was Shane Falco, Shane Falco, Keanu Reeves. Good sports movies. Good cast, actually. Favreau's in that. There's a lot of stars in that. Also, uh, happy birthday to Phil Collins. Phil Collins is 73. The reason I bring that up is there is a show this weekend here at the South Point. It's the greatest name of a tribute act I've ever seen. It's a Phil Collins tribute act. It's called Still Collins. 
Now, is he going to be doing Genius. anything from the Tarzan soundtrack? I don't know. I We can ask him when he's here, Matt, if you want to come in or live chat. He's going to be here Friday, I'm told, at noon to come in. We'll talk a little Phil Collins. Uh, I'm very excited because I'm be, a big I'll Phil be producing Collins. that show. You'll be producing. You'll be here. Either on, on either side of the glass. He does, Je he does, Je he does Genesis. Uh, well, Alex is here. We'll have a full boat. We'll have yeah, a full oh, boat. Yeah. So, oh no, Alex isn't here on Fridays. Not on Friday. We changed the schedule, folks. I'm still getting used to it. But by the way, there was no need for Phil Collins to go that hard. I'm glad he did on the Tarzan soundtrack. But there was <laughs> there was no need for him to go that emotionally hard. That that movie it, that that movie made hey, me who I am today. It got him an Oscar, and that's why he did it. But he'll be doing Genesis and Phil Collins solo stuff. Okay. So uh, we'll have him here, just like we had the Sinatra guy show up. Uh, let's see, Bob Dell. Hembo is on ESPN. That is true. Good afternoon, Punchline's crew. Jimmy, uh, Joey B. Always chiming in. Chiming in late today, Joey. You have a note for being late? But anyway, uh, Ben Johnson is staying in Detroit. Yeah, well, maybe it's because he, he said if he becomes head coach, he wants $15 million. Also, it's I ridiculous. found the name of the actor that was in all the Oh, movies. yeah, what's his name? Chelsea Ross, C-I-E. Yeah. Yeah, he's Chelsea a guy. Ross. And he was in he was in Hoosier, Hoosiers. He, the, his major film credits include Above the Law, Major League, Basic Instinct, Major League, uh, Hoosiers, there's Trouble a, with the Curve, and the always popular the curve, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Right, but there's also a football movie. I saw the guy's had a great career, but he's in Oh, Rudy. He's in Rudy for God's sakes. We used to get Christmas cards. He plays cards. Dan Devine or whatever, not Divine, but the other coach. Do you know yeah. about Rudy's cameo in his own movie? He's sitting behind them. Yeah, yeah in the stands. We, I don't know how my dad knew Rudy from back in the day. It had to have been a sports talk thing, but yeah. we for a lot of years when Christmas cards were We'd still a, a thing, we would get a Christmas card from Rudy Rudiger every year. Now you want to talk about a slow clap movie? Yeah, there Rudy. we go. Rudy, Rudy. I never had the heart to write him back and tell him he was offside. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was not. Uh, that's a shirt you can buy, right? Rudy was oh, offside. Yeah. It's a great teacher. Yeah, so this guy, this actor that no one knows the name, he was in Rudy, he was in Major League, he was in Hoosiers. Three of the best sports movies ever. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. All right, speaking of sports, we got a couple clips for you, a couple more posts. Brendan Ayuk, who had that amazing catch off the deflection uh, against Detroit, was thinking he was going to be the top player of the day on ESPN, but let's see what happened here. Uh, this is him at home watching, All right, and he finds out he's the second play. He's not happy. He's like, come on, man. I'm glad we're playing without a lot of the audio. I definitely had to go through and edit yeah, some of this audio. Yeah, there was some swearing there. <laughs> put it together. But he's laying in bed. He's chilling. He's watching himself on TV. By the way, tuck that cable in. Put that through the wall. He makes, I looked, he makes $3 million a year, and he's got the cable dangling. Jerry, go over, get that cable in the wall, right? That would bother you. Yes, Mr. Nicotero. Yes, sir. <laughs> you got it. Yes. See that, Ryan McCormick? He referred to me as Mr. Nicotero. That's why he's keeping that chair. Uh, $3 million a year, tuck that cord in. Brendan, I, the top play was... Uh, a Chiefs play, which didn't make him happy. He might take it out on Super Bowl Sunday. And then we had Brock Purdy being drafted. Is that right? Yeah. yeah we we had... can play this one with audio, too. Uh, okay, I love the line at the beginning. John Lynch says, you may be Mr. Irrelevant, but you're relevant to us. Yes, exactly. Now he, no way. You're lying. I said. He tells his parents he's going to be a free agent, that he's not being drafted. So he goes out to record him being drafted, and their reaction's priceless. I'd never seen this. Mr. Irrelevant. It's the daughter of the guy. And his family goes nuts. He kept the secret. I'd never seen that. Have you ever seen that? No, I've seen some guys that'll pretend to miss a phone call like uh, Adrian Beltre did when he got his Hall of Fame call. Yeah, he was so... he goes, I'll, I'll let it go to voicemail. Yeah. I'll like, answer it. I don't, I don't know if there's ever been a Mr. Irrelevant that has had that much fanfare. 
No, not Especially at all. Nowadays, yeah. Wow, oh, he's in the Super Bowl. My God. Uh, all right, so you got a couple of basketball picks, Matt Neverett. Yep. You know I love my obscure college basketball plays. <laughs> Although today there's actually a full slate. Yesterday, yeah, we yeah, had to go way down the board. Exactly. I was on uh, Norfolk State against yes. Morgan State. Some uh, MEAC action. And by the way, Alex gave out a pick. She was leaning. She didn't love it. She leaned towards Houston. I got Houston at four and a half points. We both ended up playing Houston minus five. Yeah, they, they won, won by, by four. four. So I lost we by a half point on that. But Alex, we forgive you. Anyway. A uh, c- couple of plays for today. Uh, I like number nine, Marquette, on the road at unranked Villanova. Getting a point. If you can get Marquette at plus money, I, I really like that one. The Golden Eagles won this matchup less than two weeks ago by 10 points at home. Uh, I don't think that it's a 9, 10, 11 point home versus road split versus these teams. Marquette's one of the best uh, defensive teams in the country. They're also a top 30 team when it comes to scoring inside the paint. Uh, another big one as well, Villanova. Number 294 in field goal percentage out of 362. So they're almost a bottom 100 team in the country in terms of efficiency from the floor. So I'll take Marquette's defense. They say defense travels, and I think it does here. Give me the Golden Eagles on the road. And I like it. It's the day of the road dog. And I think this one might be mispriced market-wide. Okay. Wyoming has won their last two home games. They're on the road this one, but their last two home games, they defeated Nevada and Colorado State, both of whom were top three teams in the conference at the time. Colorado State still ranked the number 24 right now. Wyoming's at Air Force, which Laramie to Colorado Springs is about a two-hour drive. It's not too bad, not okay. as far as road games are concerned. Uh, Wyoming has won three of their last four. Uh, you'll look and see historically Air Force swept this matchup last year, but Wyoming was an absolute disaster last year. They had four players transfer midseason, quit the team and transfer <laughs> midseason. So you can't take anything from Wyoming last year. Um, and Air Force, their one win in conference play was here in Las Vegas against UNLV, a 30-point blowout wow. in a game where I don't think UNLV's ever lost by that much at home. So I take that game as a fluke. I was there. It uh, just was not the UNLV team we're used to, used to seeing. And I think that was more okay. of why Air Force won, let alone blow them out by 30. Air Force won! But Wyoming <laughs> plus the four, I like plus 150 or 160 on the money line if you can get it as well. I like it. And I, the reason I like Marquette uh, on this particular episode they were national champs in 1978. This is show 78. Well, it's, it's destiny. Because I looked up to see what chance. I think that was Al McGuire was the head coach back then. Uh, I believe Marquette was 77 or 78. One of the days I checked Marquette was the national Close champs. Close enough for me. Close enough. Uh, yes. Uh, thank you, uh, B-Town Dummy. Uh, pop it. You got to pop it. That was, that was Gene Hackman. Pop it. I said, uh, <laughs> snap it. Damn it. Uh, he was also in Rudy. Thank you, B-Town Dummy. And uh, let's see. Oh, <laughs> Frank Mergy. Phil Collins has a famous daughter. Do you know why Frank Mergy is writing that? Lily Collins, she's an actress. She's also the star of Emily in Paris. Oh, yeah. Frank, I'm sorry, but I have to mention, he's his favorite show. <laughs> he loves Phil Collins' daughter on that show. It's supposed to be a really cute show, and he just got back from Paris. Uh say he was strolling with his hands behind his back. Lily anyway, Boucher? Yeah, I, I don't know. Hembo has a Yeti cup. Yeah, he doesn't have a Stanley cup. What a fa- That was a great show. Uh, Matt, you're always sharp. You're always the best. You have What do you have coming up today? Uh, we got Scott Jones coming up to talk basketball. He just did a podcast with J.J. Reddick, so we're going to talk a lot of hoop with him. Uh, we're going to talk some this or that with Super Bowl props, kind of similar value in yeah. which one that Alex and I would rather have. And uh, we'll give you some more obscure college basketball plays like we always do. I love it. Coming up tomorrow on this show, Punchlines, Alex White will be here for your usual Wednesday. And Dwayne Colucci. Colucci. No Colucci. No Colucci. Never Next mind. <laughs> See what happens when I tease the show. Who else is on tomorrow? Do we have somebody else? I do. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We have Jen Welter, uh, the first female coach in the NFL. She coached. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, I focus so hard on the show I'm doing currently. It's hard for me to understand what's going on the next day. Uh, Ryan will be back. We think uh, he gets. I I don't know what the 
He'll be back eventually. But for now, we have Matt here. Thank you, Matt, again for helping out. Jerry's sitting in the chair. And uh, we have a correction. Usually, we, oh, what are the Pittsburgh marks today? What were they? Let's see. Hold it up a little higher. Oh, we finished just with four. four. By the way, Jerry, when you were out of the room, because I know you like to leave when you're disgusted, I said it like seven more times. <laughs> no, I didn't. Uh, and our director, and you have a little correction on the show today. Tiffany was misspelled. <laughs> Tiffany was misspelled. Aubrey, Brianne, McCormick. Tiffany is an I, not a Y. There she is, the youngest appearance ever on Punchlines. We appreciate you watching the show. I'm going to go ahead and thank the live commenters again. You keep me sharp. You keep us informed. Thank you, B-Town Dummies, for all your stuff today. And Bob Dell for that wonderful picture and all our regulars, Tommy, Joey, all of them. So thank you, guys. Keep it coming. We'll be back tomorrow with two guests, Alex White. She's a guest. She's a co-host. And Jen Welter is going to be fascinating to talk football and uh, we'll talk Super Bowl. So thanks for watching, guys. Punchlines live in Nevada. Every show.